All right, good morning, Cross Point. Merry Christmas. We are finally switching gears, so it's our first morning of Christmas music. I'm excited about it. Hopefully you are too. Would you stand with us as we sing Angels We Have Heard on High?
be seated. Before we get to the sermon this morning, we have a special brother, Bob. Sing us a special. Terrible when you get old and have to have everybody help you. Mike Thompson, if you all don't know, is the best guitarist in the world. So it's here. I have the pleasure of him accompanying me this morning. God bless you all. Let me catch my breath. It's me, it's not him. Let's try it again, Mikey. I'm kind of homesick for a country to which I've never in before no sad goodbyes will there be spoken and time won't matter Someday 
getting me through it. Mike Thompson, in my opinion, is the greatest guitar on all the or on the world. I agree with you, Bob McGee, on that. I was afraid Bob, he said, can you give me a hand? I said, just don't jump. Reminds me of Gibbs Sutton once. I was helping out of a van, and I was so nervous her getting in and out of that van, and she acted like she was going to jump in my arms at age 90-whatever. Oh, my heart sunk. Scared me to death. It is good to meet, and as Andrew has so well uh, pointed us in a direction of the season, of the time of year, uh, but more importantly, focused on the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a celebratory time at Cross Point Baptist Church. This is one of those moments where we get the woohoo and yeehaw. It's, it's, the, it's Christmas. It's the birth. Why? Because of Emmanuel, God with us, is here on earth. He came, and it's also, it dovetails for me in my mind with Easter. Another time we get to celebrate the resurrection, the life. And if it wasn't for the life of this infant, we wouldn't have the events of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We wouldn't have the, 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 the woo-hoo moment of knowing that we can have connectivity with the creator of this universe. That's why Christmas is so important to Cross Point Baptist Church. It's why we celebrate it the way we do. So we want to welcome those that are watching on Facebook uh, this morning. I see that um, uh, Amy Rink uh, is watching all the way from Florida. So let's turn and, if you would, wave to Will in the corner. Uh, say welcome and to Amy Rink, who's watching... Uh, through the social media. It's good to do that. I shared last week, I had mentioned Mary and Marta. I had, I had wait, said, let's all do a shout. I got a call from their mother. Uh, the girls were so excited to hear, their, to hear us on, hear their names on Facebook. And um, man, it, it warmed my heart to hear uh, Mary and Marta in the background getting all worked up and animated. Um, very special to me. I want you to consider this morning, uh, again, I, want, I, I don't want to be uh, pretentious about this. At Christmas time, there are certain areas of Scripture that we uh, are repetitive with. If you've been at this church any length of time, you have heard this, what I'm about to say. It doesn't mean you have it all figured out, and it also doesn't mean that you should just kind of check out. Because anytime the Word of God is opened, you, uh, you get to know and be intimate with our Savior. You get to know Him. You get to know that you know, as 1 John uh, quotes as well. But I want you to consider a theological point. And a theology is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. People hear that and think it's uh, the study of something. And they, as soon as they hear that word study, they kind of go, ugh, and check out. I don't want to study. But this is great. And believe it or not, you study things all day, every day. You, you study your 401ks. <laughs> you study 
stock, you study how money works, you study, uh, by the way, the Bible tells husbands that we should be studying our wives, dwell with them with understanding, as First Peter puts it, uh, and that's the hardest study you'll ever have, men. I would rather try to guess the stock market than to figure out my wife. I'm not here to talk about her this morning. Let's talk about this question. Why did Jesus have to come as a baby? If, if his primary focus, which is to reveal the Father, and his primary event in his life as he walked and talked on this earth uh, culminated at the death, the burial, and resurrection, that is the, the apex, if you will, because it gives us uh, access to the Father, then why not just come as a 33-year-old man, die on the cross, be buried for three days, rise again, ascend back into heaven? Why not just mail it in, as so, as if I could be so uh, blunt? I want, to, I want you to think about that, and we're going to look at Scripture and see why. And again, you may be thinking, well, I, I don't know how this really applies. It will, because if you will embrace what the Bible shows us about Him coming as an infant, it will help you to know our Savior, know our God. Newborn babies, birth itself is exciting. It's amazing. We have one coming up here in March before long. It's the future in the flesh. There's an excitement. The older Carla and I get, we're kind of looking forward to the days when we get the, the grand, to be the grandparents. And we're, you kind of always uh, see grandparents don't look like they used to back in my day. Grandparents would call grandmas and grannies and all them things. And as soon as you became one, you were instantly old. I notice now a lot of grandmothers and grandfathers are choosing designer names so they don't want to have that old title stuck with it, right? Grandmas don't look like grandmas anymore. I've noticed that. But we're excited. And we're like, what do you want to be called? What do you want to be called? And I'm like, I just want to be called something first by a, uh, my, my, my own seeing yourself in another set of eyes is what I'm looking forward to, what we're looking forward to. Now imagine Mary and Joseph that night on the birth of Jesus Christ, on Jesus. His coming had been foretold by angels, not by physicians. We find out through physicians. We have sonograms and all those tests, and, and it's getting really detailed now. You can tell um, all kinds of features once you hit a certain part of the, the trimesters and the pregnancy. Uh, you, can, um, you can see all the little uh, details. It's amazing. They didn't have that. The angel's announcement fulfilled poems of the Old Testament, songs, dreams of Joseph, and prophecy that had been foretold thousands of years and within just recent days. The Messiah was here as projected, but not like they had thought. He was supposed to be strong, military, a diplomat. He was to be, have the sword of David, the wisdom of Solomon, and a, a leader like Moses and Joseph that was going to set the record straight for the nation of Israel. And yet, here was a baby. Perhaps at first glance, he was like every newborn child. 
cried, hungered, needed changed. Why would the Son of God be an infant when Israel needed a leader? Jesus was fully God. He was fully human. One didn't cancel out the other. Jesus was truly a man of both worlds. All this that I've shared is true statements, and I can probably get you to amen right along with me, but it still doesn't answer the question, why did Jesus come as a baby? So I'm going to give you several reasons here as we open our Bibles today. We're going to be in the book of John and Hebrews chapter 2 mainly, okay? Why did Jesus come as an infant? Here's the first answer, because of his divinity, because of his divinity. That word divinity means God-like character. It, it dovetails with the word deity, his God-like character. He came to earth from outside of the earth, pure and clean. No way is he a product of earth. And yet he possessed attributes only God has. Let's look at one. Turn with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, as we consider why did Jesus come as an infant. John chapter 8 and verse 58 is where I want us to look. As we are studying the book of John on Facebook Live on Sunday nights, tonight actually is the last Sunday night for the rest of the year. After this Sunday night, the, the remaining uh, Facebook Lives will be done on Wednesday, on Wednesday night. It'll be moved to Wednesdays for the remaining of December. And uh, I think we'll carry on with the book of John. But so far in the first eight chapters, one word has stood out, and that was Jesus's, Jesus' deity, his, his attributes of God, and the word, two words, I am. How many times have we gone over that when Jesus said, I am, and it relates back to when God was, was before Moses thousands of years earlier, and he said that I am, which means the self-existing one. Nobody here is the self-existing one. You exist because of somebody else. You exist by a power of somebody else. I don't know if you know this, but life is really pretty fragile. We're not as strong as we think we are. We're not, we don't have the time we think we have, perhaps. But as we look in John chapter 8, verse 58, I know it's on the screen. It should be in your, hopefully it's in your lap as well, in your Bibles. It says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is speaking of himself. He's speaking of the fact that he is eternal, that before I was on the earth, I was on the earth. That's a mind blower. How, how do you, how's that work? Jesus is stating that he is the God of the Old Testament. We see this in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 at that burning bush. Jesus was referring to himself as Yahweh, which is a Hebrew term, meaning Lord. 23 times Jesus referred to himself in the Gospels as I am. Now, many of you hear that number 23 and you think of the goat. Who's the goat? I know these guys know. Yeah, it's a big debate. We hear that number 23. You don't mess with it. It's a sacred number. Michael Jordan, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time. Is it LeBron? 
Kobe, you gotta, you gotta, these guys get real worked up. So it's a holy number, it's a sacred number. 23 times Jesus referred to in the Gospels as a self-existing one. Hey, he's the goat. See, that's, that's what I did there. Jesus Christ, he's, he's eternal. He's outside of this earth. Jesus was everywhere at all times, Matthew 28. What do we know about Jesus when he was on, the, on this earth? He was omniscient. He knew everything. He knew what people was thinking. He knew what they were going to do before they did it. Jesus could do all things, John 11, verse 38 through 44. And my favorite one is this, that Jesus is immutable. Unchanged, he wouldn't change. He was the self-existing one. Jesus came as an infant because of his divinity, meaning that he could perform works that nobody else could do. You know, I think something that gets overlooked many times is the fact that Jesus is here, forgive us of our sins, forgive us of all our sins. And we have staple prayers that we can use and share. And those aren't bad in and of themselves, but the fact that he could grant forgiveness of sin, nobody else on this earth has the right or the ability or the power to forgive a sin. Not cover it, but forgive. Totally different element than what they were used to when he was on the earth. And that should be quite impactful in your life as well. He performed works that only God can do. Life. He gives spiritual life to whomever he wishes. In John, you're there in John. Go back to chapter 5, verse 21. Chapter 5, verse 21. He gives life, spiritual life to whomever he, he wishes. John 5, 21, it says, For as the Father raised the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. What do we see there? That ability to give eternal life. That people on this earth are, would trade anything. When at the end of their time on this earth, it's amazing what people think about when you're at the last few days of your life. It's not what you would think. It's not, it's, not, it's not my stuff any longer. It's not, this is what's important. Make sure this and this goes here. And, and because they, they realize it, that, that that's being all left behind. It's amazing what people think about. What I've found, because I've been in a room several times with people, is what they think about in the last, when they know that life is fragile and short. It's not the tangible things. He gives spiritual life to whomever he wishes. Jesus Christ performed works that only a God can do. Of course, the resurrection. Did you know that he will raise the dead? Now, that's you and I. We are the walking dead in, in one sense. He will raise the dead, give life to individuals to have life and to have it afresh and to have it eternally. He, judgment, he will judge all people. Look in uh, John chapter 5, we're right there. Look in verse 22, the very next verse. For God the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. When I stepped into um, committed life this morning, we actually talked about that point. All authority has been given to Jesus Christ. 
and yet he was submissive to the Father. Sneak, uh, look at verse 27 with me as well. And, and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. We are all going to meet Jesus Christ one day as judge or as friend, as, as, as judge or as Savior. His divinity is outside the earth. I'm so glad he came as an infant. He was given the name of deity as well. Son of God is uh, a name given to Jesus Christ. Though it was seldom, he seldom used this of himself. Others did quite a bit. Lord God in the New Testament, King of Kings. We looked at that in Philippians this morning as well. Why did Jesus come as an infant? Because this is number two, he made the full commitment. So that he, you would know that we have a Savior, we're offering a Savior to you that can identify with everything you've, you've gone through, thought through, been tempted with, and had to experience in life. He made the full commitment. It really wouldn't have meant that much to us, meaning humans, if Jesus appeared as an unknown. If he would have came at age 33 and did the death, burial, and resurrection and ascended, it, we don't know a lot. We don't know the history. Why would we trust him? Why would, we, why would the people even of that day consider him to be that Messiah? He could have done it in secret and in quiet or, or any kind of uh, a method we could conjure up. But because he came as an infant, people got to watch him grow. They got to see him. They got to see where he was from. He's willing his willingness would have been unknown. Instead, we see him. When we look at the, the scriptures, we're reading, looking through the gospels. What do we see? You're getting to know Jesus Christ as he's sharing and teaching who he is. As a child in a manger, in the temple, as a young, maturing young man, Luke chapter 2. We see him as a young man being beginning a ministry and, and overhearing inquisitive neighbors in Matthew 13. We see him in the desert wrestling with, with uh, temptation, with destiny in Matthew chapter 4. His love for children and compassion for people. Then on the cross telling the, the physical, uh, feeling the, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual pain. So when we think about Jesus Christ, don't always just go to, we go too far to one extreme or the other. We forget not only that, just not in December, we celebrate the fact that he came as an infant, but don't forget he had to grow and learn at the same time. Or we just go, that's a Christmas thing, and we move on with, with life. If he is your Savior today, you need to know him. You need to know everything about him. It's amazing. The things that you love the most is what you know the most about, whether it be people or even hobbies or things of that nature. We get way into it. We need to pursue Christ genuinely as a Savior and know the person, the words, and the works. If Jesus is only God, his sacrifice would have been unconvincing. If Jesus is only man, his sacrifice would have, would have had no power. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 is a great portion of Scripture as we consider His humanity. 
how that we can relate to him, he can relate to us. Many of you have gone through things in life and you think, nobody knows how I feel. Or you may find a group that maybe can identify with how I feel. Let me tell you a little secret here. It's really not a secret if we understand what we're about to read. Jesus Christ understands every minute detail of your life. Your fears, he understands. Your temptations, your hang-ups. He knows the things about us that we don't know about ourselves. He conquered humanity. Now he lives through believers in us, making us more than conquerors. Here's the point. You can win at life. You can win. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. Hebrews chapter 2, 16 through 18. You can win at life. Hebrews chapter 2, 16 through 18. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham, Israel, mankind. Verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful, faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted... He is able to aid those who are tempted. I want you to see something pretty special here. And it's this. He can identify with you. Verse 16, it says that he, for indeed, he does not give aid. That term give aid means to take hold of or take the nature of. He didn't take the nature of angels. He didn't, he chose, he sacrificed, he left his position, as Philippians tells us, to be equal with God, to take on something opposite of that, being human, mankind. He took on the opposite. He didn't take on the nature of angels, he took on the nature of mankind. Angels are messengers. The seed of Abraham is recognizing mankind's spiritual need. Look in verse 17. Where he was tempted in all points, like us, yet without sin. We see that in Hebrews chapter 4. But look in 17. Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, making the propitiation, the satisfaction for the sins of people. To be the perfect high priest. We didn't have that prior to Jesus Christ. You had other men being the high priest. He was outside. He was from the outside to be the perfect high priest, to be the go-between between God and man. That's why he had to come as a baby, as an infant, to be the satisfier of such things. I shared with you a moment ago that we can win in life. Many of you are looking at me like, you mean like, yeah, I know we'll win someday. No, you can win in life today. Let me tell you how you win in life today. You be well-pleasing. You be fully following the Father through Christ. Smile and do what you want. 
what do you mean do what I want? I can do what I want. If you're given over to him, you'll, you'll automatically, you'll, you'll willingly want to do what he wants. See what I did there? Give your heart to him and do what you want, because if you're fully given over to him, you're going to do what he wants. I heard an interesting scenario. I'm going to share it with you. If you went to your bank account this morning, and in it was $86,000, $86,400 today, and you get to, what would you do with it? You, you could spend it, but you know that at the end of the day, $86,400 is gone. But tomorrow morning, there's going to be another $86,400 in that bank. Are you with me? So you get this every day. You can spend it any way you want, but it's going to be gone at the end of the day. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you're going to have another $86,400. What would you do with that? You can't really invest it because it's going to be gone at the end of the day. You don't get it. But you get another $86,400 tomorrow. What would you do with it? Would you waste it? Would you go do what you want? But it's only for that day. It's ne you're never able to invest in tomorrow. That's food for thought, isn't it? What would you do with that? That's how many seconds there are in a 24-hour period. 86,400. What are you doing with them? What we, that's a level playing field right there. We all have the same amount of time. Guess how many seconds Jesus had each day when he was walking this earth? 86,400. You can win today when you understand that Jesus Christ, this book, Jesus Christ is more than a religion. This book is more than a religious book. It's a life book. Jesus Christ is life. He's life. And it starts the day you repent from your sin and you have life new, fresh. By the way, Christian, you would think, I've done that. My life doesn't feel fresh anymore. You know how to hit the reset button on that? 1 John 1, 9 tells you pretty clear. Get right before him. Have you, have, while you have the time, make your spiritual life right before him. As a believer now, as a Christian, you confess your sins, your faults. You see your sin the way he sees it. And guess what the Bible says he will do? He will forgive us, from all un, forgive us our sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wait a minute. He's the only one that can do that. There's no plan B. No one else can forgive you. And by the way, when you're, when you're forgiven of your sin, guess what you are? You're winning. You're winning. You, you win. You get to win again. Jesus, why did he come as an infant? Because of his humanity. Now, he is one of us in every way possible. He embodied the full human experience, um, perhaps fuller than, than many of us. You know, why would you follow the footsteps of another person if, if, if we didn't see them know that they crawled as a child, walked, eventually to be able to move? How could we believe that he had undergone all the temptation we have if he had skipped the teenage years? 
If he had skipped those, the, the hard years. He had a body, Luke chapter 2, verse 52. John chapter 8, verse 40 shows us these. He had a, he had a human spirit. Turn with me to, I said we were only going to go to John and, and, uh, and Hebrews. Turn with me to Matthew 26. I misled you a little bit. Matthew 26, verse 38. You may think, well, Jesus didn't have a soul or a spirit. He was God. He didn't need those things. Well, um, let's see what he said about that. He had a human soul and spirit. Matthew 26, verse 38. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. We were talking about this in Brad's class a little bit ago as well. How that he always followed the Father. So, buddy, 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 battle with it, mainly right here. Why did he battle with it? Because for the first time, he's going to be separated from his father, who, though he was co-equal, thought it not robbery. Here he is. He's getting ready to be separated. Why was he going to be separated? Because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Death and the burial is why he was going to be separated, the payment for sin. And look at what he says. Verse 38. Then he said to them, my soul. Say soul. Soul. So what is our soul? The soul is the immaterial part of us with God consciousness. That's what, to define soul in a simple manner. Our spirit is the immaterial part of us with a world consciousness. So verse 38, he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He was going to prepare himself and to pray for, uh, to, to his father for what was about to transpire. The point is, he had an immaterial nature just like human beings. Just like us. He had human characteristics. We know that he was hungry in Matthew chapter 4. We know that he got thirsty in John 9. He got tired. We see that in John again. He had love and compassion. We see that in Matthew chapter 9. He cried. He was tested. True humanity. He covered the full, he was heartbroken, the full gamut of emotions. And yet he had, a, he had a name. 88 times he called himself the Son of Man. Remember how I said earlier that he rarely referred to himself as the Son of God? More times he referred to himself as the Son of Man. 88 times he called himself the Son of Man, synonymous with human being. This name connected him to his humanity. Son of God connected him to his divinity. So as we take this Christmas time, there's some theology for you. We're, we're, we start to put our arms around this as we move forward uh, in the next handful of days. I do this every year. I just don't want anybody to go through the motions as a member of our church, as a believer. Don't just go through the motions of December, of filling out cards, of all the activities that we do here. Make it personal. Make a difference. In fact, we were talking about this one of, uh, we kind of have an extra Wednesday snuck in here in our church calendar. Uh, I think it would be the 15th of December. Usually this month on this Wednesday, we would all meet here and we would go caroling to different people of our church. 
Well, we're not doing that this year. So my idea was to encourage everybody to go out as a family, get together, make whatever you want to do, and find somebody of our church and go Christmas caroling, maybe just to one house on your own, not as a group. Now, there's some hurdles there. One, many of you may struggle singing. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. It'll mean so much to the person at the doorstep. Many of you may think, well, um, uh, what about, uh, all, I don't know who to go to. This isn't organized things. Make sure to call first because some of these people go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Let them know you're coming. The third problem with doing it on the 15th as a family is that's when I'm going to be doing Facebook Live as well. Don't miss church. The point is you have time where we can't always do things collectively like we had, but you can do them. Still go and visit. Go make the call. Make the carol. You'll be shocked at what you will receive in return. Let me give an example. If you were to do that, I'm just going to, our family's going to get together. We're going to make some cookies. We're going to someone's house. We're going to sing carols at the doorstep, and then we'll go home and watch uh, Charlie Brown do Christmas. If you do one, odds are you're going to be tempted to have, you're going to be so blessed and have so much fun that you're going to think of somebody else in our church to go sing carols to. It'll be contagious. So this one's on you. But I want you to think about these things as we can move forward toward the 25th, December 19th is our candlelight service. Sunday morning at 9, uh, 10.30. We're not having our LifePoint Bible study groups that morning. The point of that day is to be focused on our candlelight service, the light and what it represents. Very special time. But as we think about Jesus coming as an infant, Jesus is merciful to mankind, but he's faithful to God. The perfect intercessor for you and I. He did what no other priest could ever do. Offer himself as a sinless sacrifice. He willingly died in our, in our place. As we think about that Hebrews text, I will read that last verse. Hebrews 2, 18. This is the last verse that we'll look at this morning. It says, For in that he himself has suffered... Being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Remember how I said you can win today? You think, I'm struggling just today. What are you struggling with today? Odds are you're struggling with temptation or you've given in already. For in that he himself suffered being tempted. He was tempted in all points like us yet without sin. He is able to aid those who are tempted. That's you and me. He's, he's willing to come alongside of. He aids the believer going through these things. He helps others grow through it. By the way, many times God will use bad decisions. He'll even use sin, not because of sin, but in spite of it, to make something beautiful happen. How do we know that he can aid the believer through temptation? Because he's been there himself and defeated it. 
He was tempted from without, never from within like us. In fact, that's another little point we need to really emphasize here. The book of James chapter 1 verse 13 says, We are tempted when we are drawn away by our own desires. Jesus Christ, being fully God, never was, had that issue because he was God in the flesh. He was always tempted from the outside, never from the in. So why did Jesus come as an infant? Because of his divinity? He came from outside of the tainted world, the sin-cursed world, because of his humanity. He is one of us in every way. In fact, he's also leading us. This infant man, Savior, knows you. This infant man, Savior, he knows you intimately. And that's a good thing. Many of you think, I don't, wanna, I don't want him to know me like that. He's going to know all my hang-ups, all my sins, all the things I've done. And there, by the way, when you lay your head down at night or when you're even facing end-of-life times, you're going to find that there's no hiding from what you did, from who you are. There's no hiding from it. But if you have a proclamation, a genuine, unhypocritical faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to hide any longer. That's how Paul described Timothy. He said, your faith is genuine. It's one thing to have a proclamation of faith. Saying a prayer, saying the words. But it's another thing to have that faith. That's where the word hypocrite comes in. You can say it. You can even convince yourself that you said this prayer, so I'm, I'm good in God's presence, I'm good in God's graces. But if you, and, and not even having the faith. Trust me, you're going to rather you have the genuine faith than to have the proclamation. The genuineness. And it's a personal thing. It's also a very public thing. It's personal because it's always between you, one individual, and God and how he's working in your heart. That's personal. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody can talk you into it. If I can talk you into it, somebody's going to talk you out of it. But when the Holy Spirit does a work and the Word does a work, it becomes very direct. There's no hiding from who you are, and you don't have to hide when you're in Christ. But it's another thing to have that proclamation where you say, I've said that prayer. You would rather have the faith than the proclamation. Now, the two ultimately go hand in hand because it is a public thing as well. We think of well, what are we told to do once a person has turned from their sin and turned to Christ? We're told to be baptized. Why is that? Because it's a public profession of faith. It's a picture. It's a private thing, but it's a public thing as well. But it's also a private thing when we think of the thief on the cross. Remember that storyline? When Christ is on the cross and this guy next to him, he recognizes him, Jesus, for who he is. And he says, what, today you'll be with me in? Not really a chance for the public profession, but there was a private, very private, faithful commitment to. My encouragement for you today is to let him have all of you and experience his presence. And that's how we conclude today. We put our arms around, we draw application. Allow him to have all of you.
not part. You can't hold any part back. Repentance is a word we use here. Faith is a word we use here. Grace is a word we use here. All these are in conjunction with Jesus Christ. The infant became a man who became a Savior, which provided a way and accessibility to God. These are things that you have to sure up in your heart. So as a believer, make sure you take this time. Make sure that relationship is clean and pure, meaningful. But if you don't know him and you're battling, you're battling with life, you need to pick this topic up. I would encourage you to contact one of us, whether you're on Facebook or, or you're even just visiting today. I would encourage you. I, I just have some questions. We love questions because questions lead to truth and truth, truthful answers. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that? Dear Lord, as we take this time today, and we call it a time of worship, and sometimes for some people it may not feel like worship. They feel like, oh, we came, we sang, and he spoke. But when we get our hearts fixed on your word and you speak to our lives through your word, we see that it is worship. How do we become overwhelmed with you? It probably doesn't always happen at a service, Lord, but it does happen when we walk with you. So I encourage everyone in earshot this morning, to continue or to start and begin that walk with you. That they can know that they have you. That they can know that they're walking with the God of the universe. That they can know, as your word says, that they have eternal life with no guessing. Thank you for the cradle today. As we continue to read Luke 2 and, ex and experience your word on the Christmas season, I pray that it would have a meaningful impact in our lives. And we can be shining examples, light and salt, everywhere we go, but never claiming to be perfect, just forgiven. I lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are not having a time of invitation. We um, would encourage you and remind you that uh, just because we say amen, that God has not stopped working in people's lives. That's quite the opposite. In fact, some of you will get in your cars and start heading home and maybe go out to eat or something like that. And you may think of these things later. God's still working. That's how big his word is. And I want to remind you that today, tonight, is uh, Facebook Live again at 7 o'clock. I um, want to share one announcement with you. As it relates to our Amelia uh, Christmas parade, so we how many years have we done this now? This is our, this is our second time doing it, I guess, really, in this manner. So um, information that you need to know is that our Amelia Christmas parade is next Sunday. It begins at two o'clock. Um, if you those who wish to meet at church and ride the van over to the launch site need to be here at twelve thirty. So. Um, the float, Eric and I got it, the structure of it, it's actually at his house. The, they're decorating the float. Um, the launch site is at the Amelia Elementary this year. See Brittany Throckmorton or Emily Bailey for any questions about that. I do know that the route is shorter this year. It's not as long as it was. Um, and um, my favorite part of our float, we do it for two reasons. One, it's to let people know of 
Cross Point Baptist Church. We have our name, of course, with our church van, but also on the float. We want people to know who we are, where we are, because we want our name to be synonymous with the next banner underneath it. And the next banner underneath it says, Unwrapped, let the word unwrap the gift of Christmas. We want our name to be synonymous with the gospel and message. So that is next uh, Sunday. Again, it starts at 2 o'clock. If you have any questions, see Brittany or Emily. All right. So if it's been good to be here today, let it be known by an amen. 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 Church, you are dismissed. <laughs>